This is a Rooster Teeth production. Hello, Charles. Hello. Okay, so we all know Darth Maul. He gets killed in Phantom of the Menace, but mm-hmm. they bring him back as a little twist in Clone Wars with his fancy little spider robot legs. So with Bad Batch, we start off with a glimpse of Grievous, but then canonically, he's dead basically at this point after the Order 66 goes out. Mm-hmm. So my question is, how do you think they should resurrect General Grievous for the Bad Batch? Because I need him to come back for the show. Ooh, I mean, so I, as much as I liked Grievous when he first popped up in the franchise, um, once he got the spider legs, I couldn't help but see um, that creepy toy from Toy Story. And it's like, it, I know it's supposed to be menacing. And it's just like, but oh, dude, you're still you're walking around on broken spider legs. And it's, it's all very, nah. But so I'm thinking like Grievous, whatever point of this is going to be at this point, he really needs to ditch these janky robotic legs. Like I need to see something smooth and very like futuristic because like dude you know the the wild wild west legs were not working out for you clearly so you have to you can't just go back to the same old same old i need him to have like not arms maybe like tentacle arms something like that you know something just you know something wild do you want him to come back as like like doc ock from spider-man or something specifically doc op from into the spider-verse i want like okay that doc oh op. okay so squishy inflatable arms yeah because it's like all right you know brute force and hard metal wasn't working out for you so well let's try some flailing like tube arms okay i like this i think this is doable so you're welcome bad batch we just gave you the idea so hurry start animating before the end of the show um but <laughs> let's start our show and do some real canon let's go Welcome to The Real Canon, a new pod about the genre pop culture we all live, breathe, and help make happen in real time. I'm Charles Pulliam Moore, writer and culture critic at io9. And I'm John Reisinger, content creator and producer for Rooster Teeth Productions. Today, we're joined by another special guest. Today, I have invited my friend from Funhouse, their resident Star Wars librarian, Jacob Fullerton. How are you doing, Jacob? Hello there. Jacob, where would people know you from? Mm, I mean, you said it. Funhouse. I'm, I'm, I'm on Funhouse. I do things for Funhouse. I don't know why I'm saying it like that. <laughs> um, and then I, I stream stuff as well. And on all of those things, I'm just oozing Star Wars stuff. Like you said, I'm like a librarian. <laughs> like, like, you know what? Like Jocasta New, the Jedi librarian. She's oh, I, I, I idolize her. Let's name drop. I need a Wikipedia just to, to look up the references that you're going to be yeah. making during this episode. <laughs> yeah. Do use Wikipedia. You'll find a lot more information. OK, will do. And as you can tell, today we're talking about Disney's new Star Wars series, The Bad Batch. The clones of Squad 99 are back and starring in a new show of their own revolving around one of the most pivotal moments in Star Wars history. The Bad Batch's first two episodes have hit Disney+, and we're digging into what these characters' exploration of the larger Star Wars canon means for the franchise. But first, we're rolling into canon fodder, our quick breakdown of an interesting news story that's caught our attention this week. This week, we are returning to something that particularly uh, picks my attention as a little Muppet fan. The Muppets <laughs> made an announcement today that they are going to be uh, hosting and uh, you know premiering a Halloween special called, uh, well, I should have the deadline, the, uh, Muppets Haunted Mansion. Smooth as butter. I'm so good at this hosting thing. Such a huge Muppets fan. I when I when I heard this, like I'm I'm always glad to hear about more Muppets things. But it's right. like, hey, you guys, are you thinking about Halloween yet? I'm not a fall person. <laughs> no, I'm like I'm like yes, give me all the Muppets, but please give me the Muppets in summertime. I want to hear about the difficulties they have getting sand out of felt right now. <laughs> oh, a Muppet Beach Party. <laughs> that would be good. It is May, and I didn't even think about that, but. Uh, first question is who here remembers, uh, what was it from 2003, uh, the, uh, Eddie Murphy Haunted Mansion feature film? Oh, of course. Oh, wow. Oh my, I, I did. I hadn't thought about it in probably 10 years, but you bring it up right now. just like flash the whole thing back. I don't remember a thing that happens in that movie, except that there's a crystal ball head. Yeah. <laughs> I do know he's like breaking a curse of some kind by the end of it. It had very much similar like Casper feature film like energy. Um, I remember that movie more, much more vividly. Yes. But I bring that up because uh, the, the, the Muppet special is specifically going to take place in, I believe, Disneyland's, either Disneyland's or Disney World's uh, Haunted Mansion. Um, so this is like a crossover of two of my loves, which is, which is Muppets and Disneyland theme parks. Mm. I know Charles 
you're less of a theme parkian. So the, here's a funny thing. My first exposure to the Haunted Mansion was the movie. I did not know that it was um, an attraction at the theme parks first. And oh, it was wow. like, it was right around the time when my, like my understanding of the Disney machine was coming into focus. Like I wasn't sort of like, oh, it's all, uh, it's all the same thing. It was like, oh, okay, sure. Eddie Murphy is in a haunted house. Um, but I get like the vibe that I've always gotten is that the Haunted Mansion is something that a very particular set of hardcore Disney fans like loves, you know? But it's kind mm -hmm. of it's not what people, you know, what people are jonesing for. Exactly. I do think that as a part of the the, the project that the company is doing to revitalize some of the, the attractions at the parks, like they're redoing mm -hmm. um, Splash Mountain to make it more or rather to make it less racist and more about the princess and the frog. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, I think that this sort of pivot is actually really smart because I don't know that, hey, come to Disney World to be scared by some nondescript ghosts would necessarily be a smart thing to do but like oh what if the muppets were here like what if the muppets were here is the premise to a great joke no matter what the answer is and right. for it to be the whole experience for this thing it's like okay give me like sure 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 like i'm i'm as 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 sort of neutral as i am about the idea of a haunted house the idea of miss piggy being you know flustered <laughs> in a haunted house is just absolutely give it to me yeah, I, Jacob, I know as, as, a, as a resident Californian, you at least uh, go to Disneyland and are familiar with it, but I, I, I don't know where you land on Muppets as opposed to like Elise uh, from Funhouse, who we know is a fanatic. Where, where are you on that spectrum? Yeah, like, yeah, like you said, Elise, is, she's a Muppet fan, and like I enjoy the Muppets, but I haven't really gone out of my way to watch the Muppets. Like, what? Uh, I, I know I'm totally missing out because I'm sure it's something I'd absolutely enjoy, but it's just I'm so bad at starting new things. So it's just one of those yeah. things that it's just I have sitting on a list. But if it were to like I watched the Muppet movie, the one with Jason Siegel that came out a bunch of years okay. ago. Good and I really I, I love that movie. And like I've watched a handful of Muppet movies just throughout the years. But um, that's kind of it. The most recent Muppet show. Uh, Muppets Now. Yeah, I yeah. had negative feelings about. Oh, because it's terrible. <laughs> it is. Um, so I, I, while I'm excited about this, I know that there's a chance like the same creative team might be involved with it. Um, also, I, I just still can't get over Kermit's voice. Um, <laughs> it's wrong. It's wrong, and I will go to my grave saying that it sounds wrong right now. Um, but. I'm excited about this. It's obviously a vehicle for them to like try to, you know, drum up some uh, interest in the theme parks, which have been dead and barren to a certain extent for the past uh, uh, plague. And uh, so that's it's part of that. And it's like, yeah, you said you said it yourself, Charles, like, you know, it's like, what if the Muppets are there? It's just a great like engine for like a premise of anything. Yeah. Um, and I'm, I'm glad they're using that. In our like in our Muppets episode, we talked a lot about how what really makes the Muppets such a dynamic property is that they are really malleable, right? As much as we sort of all know them to be a specific thing, like you have very particular feelings about what Kermit is supposed to sound like, um, there is a way that the franchise lends itself to just like, all right, like right, let's try something a little bit different. And I do, something that does sort of like get me excited about this special is the idea that the company is going back to um, the skunk works and being like, all right, well, you know this youtube centric thing that we're trying to get off the ground isn't really working let's just try something slightly different if only to try to capitalize on this thing that is really good i feel like we because of the weirdness of the pandemic whatever sort of renewed interest that there is going to be in the muppets hasn't sort of had a chance to really like manifest itself you know aside sure. from people just like sharing screenshots of things that they're seeing for the first time or reliving but i do feel like in the future the fact that muppets the muppets the original series exists on disney plus is going to keep interest in these sorts of just like side projects like just humming in the background yeah it's just nice to see disney continuing to use this ip that they own and to continue to like you know uh, give out uh, iterations of it to the fans who like it. Speaking of which, let's segue into another IP they own that they continue to use to uh, dish out uh, content <laughs> and go into the Bad Batch, latest Star Wars uh, <laughs> show. Let's go. A uh, quick question. Did you say that uh, Haunted Mansion came out in 2003? I think so. Why? Because, wow, that's a big, big year for Disney ride movies because it came out like 
in the because Pirates of the Caribbean came out earlier that year. That was the thing. That was the thing Disney was doing for a while, where they were trying to make their rides into uh, uh, feature films. They did it with the Country Bear Jamboree. They did it with Haunted Mansion. Oh my God, they did do Country Bear Jamboree. Correct. Why? Why? Because they were just trying things, you know. And um, <laughs> they did uh, Pirates, and Pirates was the only one that was like the resounding hit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's why they continued with it, and then canceled all the other ones because country bear jamboree made you know negative money and haunted mansion <laughs> was at best maybe like a, a wash on a, on the budget um but yeah yeah there there was an era where disney was like we've got these things let's make movies out of them and it just only worked with one they drove it into the ground after that oh did they now um but uh speaking of another another title Anyways. they've driven into the ground um jacob yeah give me your summary of where we were at with the Clone Wars coming into the beginning of the Bad Batch. Like, what, what is a good summary of, like, where the Clone Wars left us and, and where we've jumped into with the Bad Batch? Okay. Well, I guess with the... They had the final season of Clone Wars air on right. Disney+. Plus, and a lot of that revolved around overlapping with Revenge of the Sith and Order 66 happening. So did Order 66 happen in the seventh season of Clone Wars? Yeah, and then uh, okay. yeah, it happened, and then like they all they they all shoot at Ahsoka, and then she runs away and has to escape with Captain that's Rex. That's right. That's right. And uh, yeah, that's kind of where it ended. Okay, so Bad Batch does overlap with the seventh season of Clone Wars, and seventh season was where they introduced uh, the Squad ninety nine, correct? Yes. Um, and they and they are uh, a genetically modified group of them mixed in with one of their members who was tortured and turned into, you know, mostly robotic, who is uh, that one's Echo. Yes. Yeah. They're like, ge- like, according to their creators, genetically defective clones. Mm-hmm. But but they're also those they use those defects to their advantage and that makes them very capable but right. also being totally unorthodox compared Into to the rest kind of, of like their a, clones. a wetworks group that has like a perfect streak of never failing a mission. Yeah, but they never do it in like a normal way. Right. They're like the A team of the clones. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. <laughs> <laughs> to make a reference that all the millennials will love. Uh-huh. Listen, I grew up watching the A team with my dad. I watched the feature film with uh who was that Liam Neeson like and Bradley Cooper. <laughs> Bradley Cooper and Charlton Copley. Um and uh, yeah, that's we're making those references, but <laughs> we're we're here with the Bad Batch, and uh, I'm curious, like, just to get a temperature reading, where where did you land with these like first two episodes, uh, Jacob? Are, do you feel like this is a a good addition? Do you feel like this is uh, what you wanted? Where are we at? I mean, o- overall, I'm I'm enjoying it because when they introduced those characters, I was like, oh dang, I want to see more of these characters, but the show's gonna end. Right, right. They did they did introduce them, and then it's like, here's the last season. You'll never see these guys again. Yeah, exactly. But having them come back in this post clone wars era i was like oh these are two things i'm interested in i love these i want want more of these characters and i want more of this time period like right after all that stuff goes down so overall overall i'm enjoying it there are things that i like i would want more of like like i know it's like a show and it's gotta get moving but i would have liked to see them just be part of the empire more having to deal mm. with that and like because and pretty immediately i mean are we spoiling things for the first episode uh, yeah we'll, okay. we'll, we'll we're gonna sp- uh, yeah that thank you for the call on that well we're gonna spoil i think the first two episodes of this show okay because like pretty quickly in the first episode which is very long it's like 70 minutes like a movie it was long yeah uh, which i didn't mind um they pretty much immediately like halfway through end up deserting and then doing their own thing right um because they're not uh uh, they get in trouble. They, they, they're uh, not get programmed like the other clones. They don't have the, uh, they do have like the chips, but they're just not working because yeah, they're of like their immune to the effects of their inhibitor chips. But you're saying that you would have loved it if they had, if they, if the show had maybe, maybe jumped back a little bit in time and just kind of been more about their missions while being part of the empire. Yeah. Like, like kind of escalate towards that eventual desertion you know i could i could see that being interesting yeah because uh, charles and i and you can speak to this for yourself charles we we felt a little i i, I don't know tepid about this this premiere not like the, no no negative feelings about it i mostly watched it and it just kind of enjoyed certain elements of it but was questioning like like um constantly like who who is this who are they aiming at this for like you know like 
obviously they're, they're they they make these star wars shows and feature films and and they're trying to grab a specific audience member and and mandalorian uh was you know obviously meant to satisfy a little bit of a of, of an older audience while also still getting things in that the kids were excited for i know even my kids watch mandalorian and you know they like baby yoda and they all that kind of stuff they might not get all of the themes but they still enjoy it to a degree um this one feels uh, interesting like the bad batch because it these these are these are literally like deep dive the series where you can't jump into these shows without at least some level ex- of extensive knowledge of star wars right yeah like it feels like this show is meant for clone wars fans like it's like it's got all these references to um previous things that happened in the clone wars like they're talking about echo getting blown up at a citadel rescue and stuff i'm like oh well People might not remember that if they didn't watch Clone Wars because that happened like five seasons ago or something. Right. Um, it very much feels like a continuation of Clone Wars aimed at people who enjoyed Clone Wars. Charles, what, what were your thoughts? Well, I've been sitting here listening to the two of you because I feel like <laughs> I'm always very much someone who's on the outside of a Star Wars, the Star Wars fandom because it just, I just miss the, you know, I miss the train on it. Um, the, I, get, I get the appeal, but it just, the emotional resonance isn't there for me. But so coming mm-hmm. into this, this was my first experience with the Bad Batch. Um, I'd seen bits of the Clone Wars, but it hadn't followed along enough to really sort of be able to identify people aside from like, ooh, that's a, that's a clone. Um, so coming into this, I hear what you mean about it really sort of dropping you immediately into um, a particularly thick bit of the lore. But you can also still see that, right, this first episode, long as it was, uh, was a pilot, right? And it did have its little bits of explanation as to what was going on. And as someone who has a little bit of distance from Star Wars, the bit that has always interested me, I do like the politics, right? I do like um, I do like the Senate minutiae <laughs> and the trade conflicts that are sort of humming in the background and presenting a larger conflict that doesn't always look flashy. Um, mm-hmm. And so seeing sort of the repercussions of the execution of Order 66 so close to, um, you know, so close to it being given on that first, you know, that first scene, I did not know who Caleb slash Kanan was, um, mm-hmm. and, you know, I had to, you know, and had to look up, um, aside from the fact, like, who is this deep voice child? Um, so, you know, <laughs> Why is Freddy Prince Jr. You know, sounding it's, like a little baby boy? Oh, right. And it's like, good God. Um, but aside from, you know, you see, you know, you see that and even not necessarily having any sort of connection to that character, you're given that moment um, for yourself of like, all right, this is what, um, you know, one of Palpatine's first moves looks like. I love that as a concept. And I understand why um, exploring that from the perspective of the clones, but the Bad Batch specifically makes for an interesting story, right? Because as much as the you know, as much as I can see that this is, oh, it's, it's a, it's a wet work show. It's the A team. Um, it's like, okay, cool. They got a big guy who's stupid and he hits things and they got someone that's great at shooting. <laughs> the thing that really grabbed my attention, um, were some of the conversations, um, with the Kaminoans, right? Because what you're seeing, I think is while you're also seeing, you know, the, the murder of the Jedi, you are also seeing, um, the empire sowing its own seed, the, the seeds of its own destruction, right? Mm-hmm. When you, when you, uh, see these conversations as to how the empire is considering phasing out the clones, right? Which is sort of the backdrop for what's going on with the Bad Batch specifically. You can see the sort of existential threat that all clones are up against that they might necessarily, especially the the ones with the chips in their, their minds, they don't know, yeah. right? They are helpless to stop it. But that is sort of the big thing that the Bad Batch, they can't shoot their way out of. All of what I just said, I think to myself like, oh, if I read that on like a little Wikipedia blurb, like blurb that would be a fun little five minutes but over the course of these these first two episodes i've just been left sort of curious like to what end right like something that we've talked about um, in the context of star wars in previous episodes is with things like the mandalorian right what's the end goal of fleshing out this part of the lore i think with the clones particularly with omega what you're seeing is an attempt at sort of giving the clones more of an identity besides like pick your fighter. They're trying to get at a level of humanity that I don't, and you'll have to help me out here, Jacob, because I can't really speak to it. I'm not sure how much like on the ground humanity was given to some of the clone stories. And that's something mm-hmm. that really kind of stuck with me from the second episode where you see this clone who's living with the Twi'lek woman um, and like helping to raise her children who are not his. And it's like, oh, like that's the purpose that you have found for yourself in this universe where all the regs are just like, 
I'm real, um, I'm real sharp looking and I follow, <laughs> <laughs> I follow orders. Yeah. Well. I mean, I, I was excited to see that character, uh, cut Laquane is his name, the, the deserter clone who has a family. Mm-hmm. Um, because that was one of the most interesting stories to me in the original show in clone wars. It was just like, Oh, it's a deserter who realizes that his lot as a clone totally sucks. It's like, what happens after the war? Like we age mm-hmm. twice as fast. What, what am I supposed to do with that? Yeah. The whole thing in general is, is an interesting exploration into like, um, uh points where like the sidewalk ends that i didn't think about before even order 66 you like see that in the original feature films and you're like okay they're all like turning on the jedi and they're killing them and then it's like oh there were like days after that where the clones still existed what are they like oh they're just assholes now got it yeah they're just uh now bootstepping jerks we were we were talking about you know parallels between um, the premise of this series and some of the other more um, big scale like epic stories in the franchise. You know, Ray's story, Ahsoka's story, and I, 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 you can see the formula, right? It's like this ragtag group of people who don't know that the Force has brought them together, especially because there isn't necessarily a Force sensitive person in their ranks are going to play a pivotal role in, you know, shaping the larger arc of the you know the, the universe's destiny and i'm i kind of love that for the clones because in a way i know we we, we joked about bringing up the last jedi um you know <laughs> the most recent the most recent trilogy but there is an interesting mirroring i think in like the bad batch being singled out as you know a dissenting presence within the clones ranks and what does end up happening with the stormtroopers later on in the most recent trilogy Right. The, that, yeah. I think that, that the fact that if you are coming into this understanding how the most recent movies played out, it is fascinating to see, like, if we if we look at Star Wars as a story about, like, heroes fighting fascism, you see how, like, oh, no, 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 it is repetitive as it is. The same story being told multiple times over doesn't necessarily have to be, it doesn't have to feel like a rehash thing. It can just really be an exploration of how different groups of people have tried to hit at this same problem at different points in history right that's a good way to put it yeah uh i i also i I feel like um i'm i'm seeing into the matrix lately um and and it could just be something where it's like once you notice something you can't unsee it Mm -hmm. but i started watching jupiter's legacy um and just finished invincible uh and we're watching this and seeing what's going on and i'm wondering if I'm, I'm glad charles you brought up like another theme in star wars because that sh- that kind of reminds me of other like uh, uh you know reoccurring narratives that star wars explores you know the the fight against fascism that they're always you know i mean they are called the rebels and that kind of thing um it's not subtle <laughs> nope not at all does it does it feel like we're in an age where we can't get away from the archetype of daddy issues father figure situation and you know seeing how that pans out whether in a positive or a negative way i say that because like you know obviously we're seeing omega mm-hmm. and her like you know four dads excuse me there are five of them one of them there's is just five, absentee wait, and sort of abusive okay. <laughs> yeah <laughs> she has one absentee father got a it distant um, father you know looking at her through a scope but i'm curious like as to like is that something that is just very resonates with like the audience right now is that something everyone's always looking for um it's a disney favorite it seems like even with marvel like everyone's like you know spider-man and 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 tony stark loving that that those daddy vibes Mm -hmm. and everything like that is is that something we just can't get away from and we want to see that again like we we liked baby yoda with mando i want to see omega you know with hunter is that is that something that what are your thoughts on that yeah i was wondering I guess it's kind of early still, but I'm wondering how that relationship is going to develop because I'm like, is she just going to be childlike? But, but I guess they hinted at her like purpose saying that like the, the, their creators don't create something without uh, like knowing its purpose. So maybe that's something we have yet to figure out. Like this childlike wonder in Omega is like just, or just scratching the surface maybe. But I, I did in, in my cynical mind was like, oh, is this just like another Baby Yoda thing? Right. 
I don't think it's unfair to like point out, oh, it is another Baby Yoda thing. This is an Ahsoka mm-hmm. thing. Because as much as people love um, Star Wars, I think it's fair to point out it's a paternalistic franchise, right? Mm-hmm. It's about okay. it's about everybody and their father issues or about their issues with the father figures in their lives. Something that's really, um, something that also jumped out at me um, about this um, series. I did not know the character's name, but I can recognize Archie Punjabi's voice, um, you know, at you know from, from a distance. And she is the Jedi who is torn down um, in the first oh, episode. Depu, Depu Balaba? Yes, yes, right? And it made me think to myself, like, we don't, there aren't a lot of, um, there aren't a lot of stories within the Star Wars franchise about the complicated relationships that people have with female authority figures, right? That was something that was sort mm. of alluded to um, with Finn and Phasma's dynamic in the most recent trilogy that ultimately sort of fell to the wayside once she, you know, mm. kept falling into explosions and then miraculously showing back up. Mm-hmm. Um, your thoughts dwell on your mother. Right, 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 right. <laughs> Because those sort of dynamics have come so late into the franchise, we're hyper aware of them. And so we've been really aware of the things that feel sort of wrong with them. Like Poe po was being a dick. You know what I mean? Like that was like, oh, <laughs> yeah. dude, like you, you really, you need to chill, chill the hell out. Um, with, with Omega, you are seeing another instance of like um, a vulnerable child um, being sheltered and protected by a man who is reluctant to fatherhood. And, you know, there, there is an audience for that. I am very curious to see what they do with Omega that differentiates her from the Baby Yoda and from Ahsoka. Because, you know, these first two episodes have um, sort of emphasized how all of them have defects, right? And the one that is initially presented to you is that she's a child and a girl, right? But obviously, I don't think that the writers of this show would just go with that sort of basic of a quote-unquote <laughs> defect for her. <laughs> yeah. uh, right? So there have been some... Her problems. She's, right, a, like she's, a, she's a, girl. a girl clone. <laughs> and it's like, while that, you know, while that kind of story could work as commentary within Star Wars's larger project of trying to bring women into the fold, like, don't do that right now. Um, and so the series has alluded to um, the potential of Omega, but you know, being a force sensitive, maybe her having some sort of empathy, whether or not that extends to things that are not clones like her remains to be seen. Um, but in the, in the exploration of like that part of her difference, I'm both like fascinated and I wonder like, Oh, are you just going to be a baby Yoda going around doing things that clones aren't meant to do? I believe this, that would make, you know, if, if she were to sort of tap into the, uh, the force in some way, she'd be the first clone to do it, um, you know, in that sort of capacity. And that's, you know, that's new, but it's also like, okay, what becomes of Omega in the grand scheme of things, right? I understand how the Bad Batch can be that new thing that's on Disney Plus. And it's like, hey, do you like Star Wars? Do you like guns? Do you like clones? Um, come get into this and watch the show and buy the merch. And that's that. But in terms of building out this larger canon, right, to sort of bring it back to the theme of the show, looking to the future, like, all right, like, what is next for Star Wars, right? Who are sort of going to be the big figures, not necessarily in any given story, but in people's minds as being the stars of, you know, the Star Wars? For a while, it was Ray and Finn and Poe. And now as we look to the future, I'm like, all right, well, you see all these people out there. We've got Ahsoka running around. We've got the space gremlin. And now we've got um, the Bad Batch and Omega feels like the one who's, you know, been chosen to, who might go on to be something larger than just a clone on the ground. And I think to myself, okay, well, what are you going to do with them? I love seeing this, this clone have a chance to be a child and explore all these things. But I want to, I think to myself, as someone who's always open to the potential of becoming a hardcore star wars fan right like <laughs> right like i'm what not gonna a way to phrase that <laughs> i'm not gonna say no right uh, it's all know, right uh it's not my style but it's cute sometimes um i, I think to myself like if i see a character who i think to myself oh i want to become invested in that character i'm i'm always thinking to myself with franchises like this in three four years is it just going to be more of omega has found a new kind of dirt and she's fascinated by that or is she or is she going to be or is she going to be doing something really integral to um like you know the clones general existence in this point in time i don't know this episode of real canon is brought to you by HelloFresh. as our lives speed up again it might be getting even harder to find time to meal plan and get to the grocery store but that doesn't have to stop you from eating well HelloFresh can send you fresh, pre-measured ingredients and mouth-watering seasonal recipes delivered right to your door. 
You skip trips to the grocery store and you count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. And that's why it's America's number one meal kit. With HelloFresh, you can enjoy cooking and get dinner on the table in about 30 minutes or less. They offer over 25 recipes each week, from vegetarian meals to craft burgers and extra special gourmet options. There's something for everyone to enjoy. Plus, all recipes are designed and tested by professional chefs and nutritional experts to ensure deliciousness and simplicity. As a dad, I find it hard sometimes to figure out what to make for the three of us every single day, every single week, and it is nice to have someone like HelloFresh figure it out and have it all ready for me to set up and make something good for my kids. It makes this dad a happy dad. So go to HelloFresh.com slash Canon12 and use the code Canon12 for 12 free meals, including free shipping. That's 12 free meals when you go to HelloFresh.com slash C-A-N-O-N-1-2 and use Canon12. Thank you, HelloFresh. That kind of makes me like think about like, you know, what the, you know, the creators of this show might have planned for this. Filoni is involved and Dave Filoni has become kind of a, a synonymous name with a lot of the, I don't know, some, some, some of the stronger points of Star mm-hmm. Wars yeah. canon. I'm curious, Jacob, as being someone who, who obviously consumed ravenously the Clone Wars show previously and is uh, familiar with Dave Filoni, um, do, do you see strengths from the original series showing up in Bad Batch that, that should show that the show has, like, good potential? Oh, yeah. Like, for me, the most interesting characters in the Clone Wars were always the clones because... Like expand as like opposed we, we, to like yeah, uh, Anakin, Anakin and Obi and, and that kind of like thing. We know who these characters are. We know what they're like. Anakin's all hot headed. Obi Wan's trying to keep him under control and stuff. But then like dealing with these clones and especially the stuff where they're trying to like figure out their identities. Like there's that line in this in that second episode where because the Empire is making all the citizens get chain codes and mm. Texas something about like clones want names, but now everybody's getting numbers. Mm-hmm. and seeing like how they want to be human because they've been created they were they were they were all created in this big cloning lab and they're they're but they're still human and they have to deal with the parts of, of being human that maybe the Kaminoans don't take into account mm-hmm. so having a show that revolves just around clone characters and like they're all the problems they have to deal with in this yeah you actually do bring up a good point that there was something that was uh special in the original series because so much of the characters in the original series are just that they're just a ton of the exact same person copied over and over again um without names with the exact same uniform and exact same haircut but then those few times that some of the clones got to stand out or get a nickname you know um or or uh you know had some sort of visual feature that made them stand out that like was this inherent tool that would make them interesting and special for the audience to attach to Hmm. um because like you say it like you know like we know who annie and obi and 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 that kind of thing those kind of people are but um giving a face to these clones that's more than just their clone face was it was a challenge and so the bad batch is that it's just taking like five of them that have extreme you know distinctions a chance to shine and explore that part of being in this army um so i yeah but i i kind of i kind of see where that where that's that's a that's it's 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 grabbing onto that theme and making almost an entire show about it it seems at this point something yeah. something else cowboy hats full of ideas something else that really jumps out about not necessarily jumps out but has been on my mind about this series is that it like the mandalorian is part of the larger project of sort of giving fans a huge amount of fan service that leads back to Boba Fett, right? You know, even though this is about the clones, our interest in the clones, in my mind, in my mind, people's interest in the clones is just like um, contact, like proximity to to Boba Fett. And it's like, all right, well, since he's not going to be, since he wasn't a real real presence in the franchise for so long outside of like toys in people's minds, um, seeing the clones was sort of a way to get that fix for a long time. And in a post-Mando season two world, now that we know that Boba Fett is kicking around and going to be very much in a series, something uh, like a series of his own, 
Um, something like this feels mm, equal parts like its own exploration of these new characters, but sort of like lay, like sort of a seeding interest in the public. Like, hey, like, well, like the guy, the guy, Boba Fett is coming back. And even if you were not predisposed to be excited about it, you should be because his presence has such an outsized like impact on this franchise, which is interesting you know because like i i think i I think that's a that's a fun part of these we talked about this earlier charles about how like a lot of um a lot of star wars's chemistry has to always be this balance of introducing new characters and themes and and locations all that kind of stuff in order to inspire renewed interest in the in the franchise but then also um you know, spoon feeding people things that they recognize. Like people, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. I, I know who that is. I, I know like even in the first episode of the show, they're like, there's, there's Tarkin. It's like, Oh, I know. I remember Tarkin. I remember mm-hmm. that guy. Yeah, mm-hmm. Even deeper than uh, that. Like there's, Oh my God. It's when, uh, crosshair was shooting those like tethers onto the separatist tanks. Yeah. Uh, sorry. The AATs, uh, armored assault transports, you know, just, <laughs> um, and like they made this little sound and i'm like that's like from an old video game like it's from an old star wars video game and i was like i couldn't remember which one it was but i'm like i've heard that sound before in a star wars video game and probably i'm sure some somebody put that in there just because they were nostalgic for some old star wars game and they do the same thing in you know the marvel franchise where because these are such extended long uh, uh franchises that have that have been used in so many different uh movies and series you know you can throw in the 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 big cameos that people get it's like oh iron man showed up in spider-man mm-hmm. i know i remember iron man remember iron man like you get that but then it's like also the the tiny little things of like oh did you see like uh uh the wonder man logo in uh wandavision's uh, yeah. intro that kind of thing you know it's that kind of thing and so yeah star wars does that and so it, what like it, it kind of makes me wonder of like where where can bad batch find that balance where are we going to see characters show up um any like theories on that like you charles you bring up like boba fett could be you know someone who shows up in this show well something that i've like something also that's been knocking around in my head is like all right like how do these you know these guest appearances are all strategic right they do serve a narrative function within the story but they're also meant to goose interest so when the baby yoda was revealed that was early on into the mandalorian but it was like holy shit there's another yoda and it's a baby what the hell is mm-hmm. that and you know mm-hmm. we eventually got we got and how do i buy it right we got like all right we knew we knew rosario dawson was going to be ahsoka right you can't keep these things secret but you know the excitement was like all right well how does she look in motion like what's the deal like how do you know um then we got boba and so it's like they in my mind they've blown through a lot of the i wouldn't call them i don't really know how to rank star wars characters because they all you know it's not it's not a it's not a top down kind of thing but they've gone through a lot of the big big names that you know would catch my attention as a casual like as a casual sure. person and leading so like leading with rebels did nothing for me i was like okay that's a child run um and <laughs> i'm trying that's to think child with a man voice <laughs> right 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 child <laughs> with a man voice like i too would think to myself stay armed um but going forward i think to my, i've been sort of racking my brain as to what sort of people would make sense to bring into this story not just for um emotional import for the clones themselves which is something that i think was the purpose of bringing the clones to um this farming clones planet to meet his family that to me was like oh like oh that's for the heart but like who where does the excitement come i've heard people talking about vader but it's like well we know vader's around he's everywhere he's he's yeah that's that's the whole point of this period in time and i don't i don't i don't know that um i don't know that actually going with a big cameo get would necessarily be the best thing for the story right because then that just that to me would feel more sort of like all right well we're doing the formula again like we've lured them in with a little bit of story and now we got to shock them and then that's going to get them locked in for season two i'm really personally i just want to see more with these clones right i really do want to see how to put i want to get an emotional storytelling experience that i hear people talking about with the clone wars um as someone who does not feel like going back to watch the clone wars or rebels i'm like all right like i will i will treat this as a jumping on point and do the work to fill in the gaps that you know i find for myself um i want to see what becomes of these clones besides you know footnotes in history that to me is sort of the strongest thing that 
could be done because it would speak more to the ability for these series to be their own thing, right? They don't really need to pull stunts in order to carve out a space for themselves in the larger canon. Yeah, I'm grateful for the time period it takes place in. because I'm like, okay, there's like nothing that happens around right now in like existing canon stuff. Mm -hmm. Like maybe there's some stories or whatnot, but like these characters are existing in this bubble that just hasn't really been explored in current canon. So maybe they, they can't like run into too much. Like I know there's one character that they're going to run into that's been from recent stuff, just from like trailers and whatnot. Um, chair <laughs> uh yeah uh fennec shand uh ming wen's character from mandalorian oh okay oh. Cool. Good for her. yeah she's gonna be in the series and i'm like oh cool like i she was cool in mandalorian but i don't really know much about her so i'd be excited to ex- see that character some more you saying that there's you saying that there's not much going on in terms of like events in this period in time like i i get that vibe but for me like order 66 being like the hot thing on the radio, you know, the song everyone's listening to, that to me is enough of like a, it's not a cameo proper, but that kind of backdrop is like, yeah, what is the world like right now with all of the clones being like, hmm, we just kill Jedi now. Like, eh, yeah, I don't know. Like that, even that, these that, characters who like didn't really participate in that are like, they're questioning it, but they're not like looking into it. They're like, yeah, and kill all the it, Jedi, huh? I forget, I forget which of the clones said it, but they were sort of talking about the exchange of power, like as the Republic was becoming the Empire. And one of the clones is like, what's the difference? And that's so, you know, that is such a, yeah, like when, <laughs> when fascism is taking over, you don't always necessarily feel it, particularly if you're not looking for it. And that's something I don't know that Star Wars, like Star Wars, like that is a that is a present, like that is a present idea in all Star Wars stories. But for it to be spelled out so clearly and so close to an event that you can easily recognize, like, hey, you guys, um, those people in robes that used to be your friends, you're killing now. Um, th- like, look, being able to like look at that and sort of understand all of the um, all of like the moral repercussions, that's cool, right? And I think yeah. it's going to be really interesting to see how the people around the uh, around the Bad Batch, um, how their opinions on what the clones are supposed to be doing starts to inform, like whether or not they want to help the Bad Batch, like because eventually you people are going to. St- I feel like as the series goes on, people are more people who aren't um, the Empire are going to start being adversarial towards the Bad Batch, right? Like they're, they're they can't just be a happy family trotting around in space. Yeah. We had that little glimpse at some that like Saw Gerrera and his rebels in yeah. the first episode. It's like, okay, we got some rebels here already. But I'm I'm glad that it kinda like let them move on. It's just kind of a Saw Gerrera cameo. The show I it seems uh does a good job of something that um doesn't necessarily jump out to me, but I've noticed as I, I I'm surrounded by I'm I'm a Star Wars fan. Uh but I, I'm not as avid about it as I am with some of my other, uh, you know, IPs that I love, you know, I'm, I'm obviously a comic book guy first and foremost and love that stuff. Um, Pokemon, I, I could talk about all day long and Star Wars. I, I, I really, really do like, but it's definitely not my nerd thing as opposed to like some of my friends, like the one I invited to the show today, Jacob, you like it a healthy amount. Uh, yeah. I, <laughs> Jacob is the unhealthy amount where he's literally correcting himself about himself about the name of the tanks in the beginning of the first bad batch episode. <laughs> But I bring those people up like Jacob and, and, and like my buddy Blaine and my buddy Andy. And, and when I talk to people like that um, about this first round of episodes, it seems that everybody there in that category is quite satisfied with this show so far and are just happy to consume more of this world. Um, it is, what's, what's the particular draw of this like this deep di- this this deep of a dive of a show to those kind of people is it just because it's like it's more time living in that world is it just because like there like you said there's like bubbles where there's not canon that's been fully fleshed out completely and it's just fun to get that little bit of a uh, the fog of war lifted on that what, what what's the draw there Jacob yeah like it, kind of what I mentioned earlier like it's it's the characters and the time period. Like getting these characters that I initially thought were cool just because, you know, they were badass and they were fun in in their first appearance. Like, Uh I'm I'm glad that we get to spend more time with them and like a whole series about them. And then, you know, exploring this time period. Like, I'm curious about what Omega's deal is. I'm sure we'll learn more about that at some point. It did. uh, 
I don't know, startle me or, or just surprise me when it was like, oh, we're starting off with Order 66. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, there was stuff after Order 66. Okay, let's let's deal with that. It's That's interesting to me. And it's like seeing that after that, the Order 66 is like horrific and like the way it's portrayed in movies and stuff because you follow the Jedi as a organization. But seeing it from this perspective where it's like, okay, well, it happened. All the Jedi are dead. And I guess we move on now. <laughs> move on to just Didn't like... some of the Jedi survive? Yeah, yeah, 100%. Did they um, did they explore some of those Jedi's in the last season of Clone Wars, or are those still like just out there somewhere? I feel like it was just Ahsoka. Then you got stuff like Fallen Order, the video game, or you got Order sixty six survivors and whatnot. So it's a thing that Jedi, not all the Jedi, are killed. But seeing just how society moves on after it happens, yeah, I think is interesting and fun. Um, and like it's a good looking show. I will like that's one of the big things compared to like the earlier scenes of Clone Wars. Like this is a, a good looking animated show. Yeah. Charles and I were talking about that, how people still have criticism, I think, about the look of the show. But uh, in comparison to the early show, it is an upgrade. And it is I think it is, it is beautiful in its own right. There's some close up moments of like the characters and, and the textures with the anime and everything like that. That is I, I think is impressive. And, yeah. And, I've and always beautiful. loved the like brush stroke aesthetic on everything. Right. It looks like everything was had its like self painted on. I'm sure that Star Wars fans would not like this, but whenever I see the more recent Star Wars cartoon, the 3D ones, it looks to me a lot like ants. You know what I mean? That wooden <laughs> car. But it, it does. does. <laughs> it does. It's, there's there's a there's a and I think Oh my it, god, why did you have to make that connection in my head? It's like a carved, um, stained wooden look that's very <laughs> beautiful, but I can't I, I think to myself like, oh, that's a that's a choice. Oh my god. And I mean I, I get it because it, it they all you know they all look like toys, you know, and it's like, oh well it's just it's it's for kids and they're meant to, yeah. to sell who these was things. Ants made for sorry for the distraction, but who was that movie made for? <laughs> just like neurotic children who needed to be watching other things. <laughs> yeah, you couldn't get a bug's life. Couldn't yeah, blockbuster. That's, that's literally the blockbuster was out of a bug's life and you watched the other one yeah. and you were like, oh, we have bugs life at home. No, that's what that is. It's, it's anyway, but it's, it's, a, it's, it's, a, I, I'm always, I, I understand why people have uh, intense feelings about the various looks of these cartoons, but uh, they all, I don't, it's not that they all look the same. It's, I'm very impressed with the visual consistency between the series. And I feel that like the very strong opinions that hardcore fans take have less to do with the specific aesthetics and more sort of about their qualms with the story of the show. And the, like the looks are just an easy excuse to be like, well, such and such and such and such is not as good as the other one. I feel like I don't hear enough people talking about which is the um, which is the series that has the really thin lightsabers like thin that's lightsabers. And it's like, well, what is that? Like, that's not that's not that's just wrong. That just looks incorrect. And yet everyone yeah. loves it. I think like they're trying to make it look like the old movies, but it just kind of looks all like weird. And I love the idea of like a, a lightsaber like foil. Like, okay, sure, like give me that. But yeah, no. <laughs> I like the idea of describing the aesthetic of something. It's like, what's the one that has the thin lightsabers? Well, that's <laughs> it's like, like, that's it's you know, no, you, but but you say that I know what you're talking about. Yeah, that's, yeah, and it's it's it's. I have to give the creative teams respect for it because it's like, well, I know what it is. Like, I, at a glance, I can recognize that these are all the modern, you know, the modern animated Star Wars stories, and that is something that is, you know, it's admirable in terms of just like brand consistency. Um, I don't know. I've, I've always, it's, it's, I'm, I'm, I'm always curious, like what it is that people want. Right. Cause it's like, well, you have live action movies, you know, and it's, it's why not explore more sort of in the, the left of center sort of weird looking space for these characters who we all kind of recognize, you know? Yeah. It's kind of also just an opportunity to turn down the stakes of the, of the series. You know, there's, uh, when you're watching like the next feature film, there's a lot that has to happen. There's a lot of expectations. There's a lot of uh, uh, criticism, but with something like you know a what's it like twelve thirteen episode animated series, you can kind of turn it down a little bit in 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 tone and and intensity, and it can be a little bit more episodic and and just kind of a, an, an enjoyable exploration into characters and uh and, and character development that kind of thing so i think there's value yeah. in that you can have entire episodes of just jar jar and mace windu going on adventures together that'd <laughs> <laughs> be kind of confused the whole time hold up wait 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 jar jar is alive during the bad batch yes yeah 
So there's a chance we can no, see Jar Jar in this no, series. No, maybe. Like, hey, for potentially. I don't why? think his his current existence has been elaborated on, except for in like a book that came out after like around Force Awakens, where he's just like a a street performer on Naboo that everybody hates. Oh God, really? Yeah, during the Empire, and he's just like, oh, nobody like Misa anymore. So he's fallen. He's fallen from grace from being what a senator. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> to a street performer essentially yes but that's the only thing about him out there as far as i know there's still potential we got fennec shan from mandalorian we can get jar jar i mean if they wanted to pull a stunt that would get people talking about this show that's a stunt mm. yeah i mean it's something i've thought about like george lucas did not do a good job of making jar jar funny but i feel like people could write <laughs> how jar dare you people, i mean he's like interesting and like kind of a scientific sort are you of talking way. about the same character who said how wooed yeah the same one that stepped in poop and was like icky icky coo i God. feel i just want to put this out there i think that jar jar Binks should be put on ice right like we i think that there's a weird way that star like star wars fans dance around not just how offensive star like jar jar was but just how like <laughs> a bad character like no like bad like you can squint and make excuses and be like, oh, he's cute and he's charming and he went on to be a senator. No. But it's like, oh, he went on to be a, an impoverished street performer. There's a reason that. But no, I'm being very serious. And I'm actually glad to bring this up in the context of this episode. But like, there's a reason that I'm, like Ahmed Best has like turned down doing Jar, Jar Jar Binks in the future, right? Like, it's mm -hmm. not just a lack of interest. Correct. It's like, it was a bad, not just, I don't call it a bad role, right? It's the role of a lifetime. But it was yeah. a bad character. And the yeah. franchise would do well to just move on from the Gungans. Like it's, there is no, I don't think that there is a rehabilitation project in store for them that would serve any purpose other than remember this offensive joke that we've tried to make less offensive now for bullshit oh nostalgia state. Yeah. Like, no, 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 no. Leave that far in the past. That's one and, thing. If you go back to Clone Wars, there's a lot of Gungan yeah. stuff. Yeah. And it's like, I, I do love this series or rather this generation of star wars stories as um as an effort to not distance from but sort of to flesh out this franchise more beyond some of the more egregious mistakes that exist in its more recent history um <laughs> you know that we can you know we can chuckle about and sort of look away from but it's still right there you know it's all right there yeah. streaming on disney plus for you to look at and so that's another reason yeah. that something like the bad batch has a lot of promise and a lot of stakes riding on it we were talking earlier about there's been some conversation about like accusations of whitewashing and colorism within this series and i wanted to bring it up in context of us talking about the art style because this is something mm -hmm. that does come up a lot in conversations when it comes to art styles right it's like oh well what's going on with them, the lighting in a particular setting, particularly in a show like right. this, right? Where you're going from locale to locale and lighting situations are just like hella wild. Yeah. They like define the location. Yeah. So, I mean, like with, like with, um, attack of the clones, like with this exploration of, you know, who the star Wars, um, the star Wars, who the clones were like based on their genetic template. That's one of the first instances of like the franchise really being like, Oh no, no, no. Like there are people of color here. Right. Um, mm -hmm. and the bad batch is along with the, the clone wars animated series. It is giving these characters like personalities and lives that we have the chance to like really latch onto. And I think that's yeah. part of the reason why people have been hyper aware and hypersensitive of some of the, uh, of some of their concerns with like the way that the characters look i i i get it i get where people are coming from i can see it visually i don't know that yeah. i read malice into it or like you know any sort of intent but you bringing up jar jar makes me think oh well here's the thing people are watching these things right yeah there are people out there who myself included like we're jar jar to come back and be like oh not this shit again like don't try to oh make no, it, no, right? no no like, no, no. And, that was a total joke right no and i understand no i know no and I'm, I'm only saying this though right because right the real canon here is about the conversations that fans have with one another and how that sort of sure defines right. the space that we all exist in right man fuck jar jar put that shit away <laughs> truly put that shit away because there's no <laughs> to what end right that's my it's always my question here with these things and so i think uh, <laughs> to tie all of this together jar jar can go right we don't need to talk about him anymore and i really do hope that we see more sort of like attempts at 
creating new characters like an Echo, creating new characters like Jar Jar in concept, and the concept of the Gungans were new, and just really putting like the full machine behind giving them uh, a really sort of like larger presence. Who is like what um what species is Ahsoka? I don't know them. She's by a name. Tegruta. Okay, right? Like she's out there like doing it for her people in the Star Wars franchise. Like great, 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 great. Like let's do that for um. Hmm, I'm trying to think of a particularly distinct Star Wars alien species. There's Newt Pe- Gunray. Are, are, is that the person with the butt for a mouth? No. <laughs> oh, no, you're talking about the Aqualish. I'm talking about the uh, race, racist Asian stereotype character. Oh, God. From Phantom God, Menace. more of those. <laughs> but yeah, but I, I think, yeah, there, there's... I, I feel confident that that what you're talking about, Charles, mm. is is not only possible but also like a, a good probability with this show because uh, Clone Wars was a little bit of what you said, a rehabilitation mm-hmm. of the prequels um, because you know there was that like negative backlash, right? And like when we talk about the Clone Wars, none of the negative stigma attached to the prequels is sort of present you know even though it is like we, we were talking about earlier like it is just anakin and obi-wan again being like i don't listen to my master i wish my padawan would listen to me and it's like we're doing this shit again and yet because the story went into it took so much care to sort of uncover other aspects of these per, like these uh, characters personalities and just put them into new settings people like oh what prequels what terrible prequels we haven't seen those no 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 there was only the clone wars and it has been beloved yeah, it's like Anakin from the Clone Wars almost feels like a different character from movie Anakin. Like Clone Wars Anakin, he's hot headed, but he's not like bitching about everything. Yeah, I don't think I'd, I'd until this day had made that connection that I'm I I you, I got to imagine that the Clone Wars series was actually a big part of like the rehabilitation of people's fond memories of the prequels. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, not not necessarily the only reason why there was some of that rehabilitation, but definitely helped uh repair some of that damage by just giving a lot more context to some of these uh characters and these moments that were then just like part of like a big time leap from mm-hmm. episode two to episode three and that kind of thing so that that's that's great to think about with the, in the context of the bad batch and uh and i'm hoping that the series continues to explore those things and deliver in that way and that this kind of ends up being another enjoyable addition to the star wars canon and we somehow learn to really get attached to Omega as a character and, and, and get to see what, what her development is as well as like these characters themselves, the bad batch, you know, the, these, these, these four or five, uh, defective clones. Um, but I think with that in mind, I, we can kind of roll into headcans cause I kind of have a final question for you guys. Let's do it. So the, the bad batch is about these, these five gentlemen. Um, and uh, they're they're all like you know your uh, your ninja turtles of like you know the <laughs> this one can has this weapon and does this you know um, he's got a bad attitude um, and he likes pizza so uh, is there is there a member of the bad batch that that you've so far like I like this guy I could, he's 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 the one that I could see you know back in the day buying that toy and and if there is that kind of a character like is there is there a a way a place that you want to see this character be taken or end up by the end of this series this question's open for both of you yeah i'm just attached to always attached to echo because he's been in the show since like the first season right he's the one he's the one that got screwed up yeah he's like a cyborg now where where do you want to see them take echo by the end of it i mean i just want to see them exploring more of his like just dealing with being a clone because he's like it's like Tech said in the first episode. He's like in an obvious Star Wars reference, self-referential moment. It's like you're more of a machine now than man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Even like the cadence that he said it, and I'm like, oh, I see, I see what you're doing. Star Wars does love their little cyborgs. Just loves their <laughs> little cyborgs. I mean, even yeah. Grievous is a cyborg. I know. Let's have somebody wear a Grievous costume. We need like a cult of Grievous. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, not a real life one because that already exists, but in the in the show because like i saw that mask in the beginning give me more of him <laughs> just someone i love that strapping ball. a bunch of metal to themselves and like i'm a member <laughs> of the cults of grievous and like sir can you please put my tools back i need those yeah just wearing t-shirts that says grievous was right <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I love echo i'm always down for more echo i will fully cop to only being able to really like star wars when there's space magic involved 
um that is to me <laughs> if it's not there's no space magic it's just people standing around in space talking around nah um so i need um i'm rather i'm hoping that there is more to this illusion about um not echo uh omega's otherness omega um and honestly you know we know goodness, there's another series on the horizon the acolyte do we know when that's coming out do rather do we know when that is like supposed to be set timeline wise i have no clue right like it's a, I, I i think it's about you know someone who is um uh, a young person who's coming up at the dark side of the forest i i love this you know you, you in omega you see your traditional like cousin oliver character she's new and she's small and she's blonde and she's nice like make her evil um you know like oh, she's yeah. <laughs> she's a child hanging out with a bunch of train killers and like oh found family like honey your found family you know they murk people um and if, <laughs> and if that is sort of like listen even in these even in these really heroic moments of you thinking people are trying to fight against the power um the dark side is there lurking in the background i want to see like i just want to see these stories go big not long necessarily right because if the canon as it exists holds now we're not going to hear about them unless they retcon some things so like they might disappear and not sort of go down in history but like show me omega you know force zapping people left and right because she's like you know what (laughs) y'all y'all lied to me on camino and i'm pissed about it oh god now i'm thinking like you think they they'll kill one of the bad batch by the end of this season? oh definitely oh, yeah 100 percent. they're clones who's it gonna be <laughs> who's it gonna be <laughs> who's that should have been the question like hey which one of the bad batches isn't gonna make it to the end oh, who man. is it gonna be the, 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 the bad one the bad the baddest of the bad batch that one you think the uh, what's his name marksman sharpshooter what's his name yeah they're gonna have there's Cross gonna be hair. a heart it's gonna be a heartfelt conversation omega's gonna stroke his face and she's gonna force link with his mind and she's gonna be like it's not your fault and then i don't know he's gonna walk off a cliff and it's gonna be very dramatic oh my god uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> listen i don't like star wars i've watched star wars i see how there we guys go do. <laughs> <laughs> okay i think i think we have uh we have uh come to the end of our episode agreed my goodness another time um oh, we learned something today <laughs> clone wars is a lot like ants well that brings this episode of the real canon to a close if you like what you heard and we know you did be sure to give us a follow so you don't miss a single show we have new episodes coming out every tuesday Yeah, and if this episode was in fact your first time checking us out and you want to talk more about what we covered today or any further episodes of Bad Batch or anything else that we've covered in previous episodes, you can check us out on social. We're always posting extra stuff there from each episode on at RealCanonPod all the time. And while you're on the socials, maybe if you want to at us to a friend of yours as a recommendation, that's a great way for us to continue to grow this audience. But speaking of audience, where can they find you, Jacob Fullerton? Me? Well, you can find me on Funhouse, of course, and then I also stream on Twitch at twitch.tv slash jacobful, J-A-C-O-B-F-U-L. Awesome. Thank you for being here today, Jacob. You're welcome. Thanks for having me on to talk about Star Wars. I'll do it anytime. I know. Jacob, thank you so much. This has been so much fun. Goodness, this has been an illuminating discussion. And to everyone listening, everyone, get ready, get hyped, and we are going to be back next week with more of The Real Canon.